Dear listeners, welcome to the Create to Heal podcast, where we have conversations from the heart about life and leadership. Each episode, we explore what creativity and healing means to our invited guests. We invite people from all walks of life to join us, from all industries and all experiences. We always use poetry and creativity to engage audience participation. We look forward to connecting with you and sharing your gems of joy. Hey, everyone. I'm Patricia Varga. And I'm Melody Wong. And we are your co-hosts. Welcome to another episode of the Create to Heal podcast. In this episode, we are so excited to be speaking with our wonderful guest, Rob Lalas, who comes to us from the Philadelphia area. Rob has a remarkable background for someone who's so young. He started off in business, and he'll tell us about that, and had a wonderful job and was going down that path and realized one day that, hmm, maybe this is not the path, at least for now. He started a remarkable, remarkable project called Rob's 10K Friends, and he's going to tell us all about it. Rob, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's good to see you again. And yeah, nice to be on the podcast. I appreciate it. <laughs> Just tell us, you're, you're, it, it's an extraordinary journey. If I remember correctly, you're at the 5K mark already. And yeah. tell us a little bit about FORD. Yeah, so Ford is kind of, well, first off, my mission is to spend an hour one-on-one with 10,000 different people. That's Rob's 10 friends and I started that back in November of 2015 following graduating from Penn State jumping into the consulting world with Deloitte and then doing tech sales and I missed getting to know people without any agenda so I figured why not try and meet 10,000 of them see what happens so I went on this journey November 2015 and then eight months later the tech startup that I was working for at the time was bought out I was laid off and then I jumped into this full time so yeah, I've now met, uh, I want to say, I think the, I met someone this morning. I think she was the 5,458th person that I met. And yeah, in, in recent years, I've started speaking about my project at universities and corporations and conferences. And I talk about this forward framework, which I admittedly did not come up with. Someone commented it on a post that I had done once, but it stands for family, occupation, recreation, and dreams. And I say, now you can get to know anyone in the world by thinking about their life, like a timeline and asking questions within each of those categories, just being curious about what their family dynamic is like, what their education path into their uh, job career has been, what their hobbies are outside of work and what their dreams are for the future. So, yeah. And I guess just to provide further context, I used to meet every single person in person. I, I was in Philly. I lived in LA for a bit. I lived in Hoboken, New Jersey. So I met almost 3,300 people in person. And then of course this pandemic comes and you're not really allowed to meet people in person. So that's when I started doing virtual calls. And I've since met people from like 90 countries around the world. It's one of the things that I've learned is that we all have a family dynamic and occupation, recreational hobbies and dreams. So that's a little bit of a, a gist of what I'm up to. So F-O-R-D family? What was the O again? Occupation. Occupation, recreation, and dreams. We all yes. have them. Uh, 
And in a recent conversation you and I had, you really brought home this idea that we're all human beings at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter where you're from, what you're going through. If you can, as you've done so beautifully with your project, get those conversations from the heart. There's no agenda. People just drop down into who they truly are. And uh, that is a beautiful gift that you have, Rob. Uh, so anything else? Uh, any questions from you, beautiful Melody? No, I think it's an amazing journey thus far, Rob. 3,300 people in person and then virtual calls from 90 countries. It's really fantastic what you're doing um, and such a blessing, I feel, because um, not many of us can say we've met so many people and had genuine connections with them. You know, just reading through your posts, you've done a fantastic job at just capturing the essence of each person, who they are. Um, what they stand for, what their dreams are. So I think that's been really wonderful and encouraging. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. That's a remarkable project, remarkable young. I'm going to say young because I'm older. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're in your 20s. You're just getting started. And what a great start you have to your life. So here's our first question. What is creativity to you? Uh, when I think about the word, word creativity, the first thing that I think of is art. Like it to me, it reminds me of being a kid and doodling in my my workbooks at school and drawing, painting things like that. Because I was very into art, and I've always been into the creative side of life. <clears throat> and I think that that was one of the things that pulled me to this project when I studied finance, and then I went into the consulting world, making PowerPoint slides and Excel sheets. There was not, in my opinion, much creativity in that act. So I really missed the the creative side of life. And as I got older, it went from drawing into, I, play, I played guitar for two years in high school. I took lessons for two years. So I really enjoyed that. And then with my project, it kind of got into storytelling and entrepreneurship as well, like the entrepreneurial journey. And that's probably what it means more to me right now. Like if I, I, I associate the world word with being creative as a child, but what it means to me now is like I have this project that I really enjoy and it fulfills me every day. But obviously meeting with people and, and just sharing their stories does not pay the bills. So the question is then, how do you support this journey? What can you creatively do to support what you already know makes you happy? And that's kind of where speaking came in. And there's creativity in applying to different conferences and, and trying to find the right person to talk to at companies. So it's almost like a treasure hunt for me now where I have to be creative in how I go about <clears throat> building my, my speaking business. And then there's also the storyteller on stage as to I have all of this knowledge and wisdom from these seven years of meeting over 5,000 people. How do you mine that data and deliver it in a message that is effective and entertaining for an audience? So that's what creativity means to me now, but I will always associate it with like art and colors and painting and music and given the choice of doing business stuff or creative stuff, my heart always goes to the creative side. Wonderful. I uh, was taking notes here as I always do. And I, I just called some of what you're saying into creativity as a treasure hunt. And I think that's a beautiful, beautiful phrase, mm -hmm. along with this beautiful sense of you standing on stage telling a story. <laughs> and it's an entrepreneur's, entrepreneur's journey. It is such the journey. 
creativity is a journey and you're not seeking an end result necessarily. You're going on that journey and whether you're picking the right colors for a painting and you're scribbling and doodling as you suggested, or you're standing on that stage uh, as you so eloquently do, it's all creativity. It's mm -hmm. all tapping into your beautiful imagination. And I just love this creativity is a treasure hunt. I'm stealing that. Yeah, go ahead. It's yours. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, thank you for sharing about your journey. Um, it sounds like you were really pulled into that vast unknown, like a world full of possibilities. And that takes a tremendous amount of faith to take that leap. Um, and then having this drive your project one step at a time, one day at a time. I'm sure you have days where you feel like, oh, how can I go forward? But then mm -hmm. you just keep on going, you ride the momentum. And like you mentioned, that treasure trove of wisdom and insight gleaned from those seven years of pure, genuine connections. And you want to just drill that down and pull those data bits. Um, I think that's fantastic. And I can definitely see like some sort of TED talk or um, I know you've been on a lot of different shows. I, I do have faith that you'll have a wonderful, inspiring talk that can totally transform, you know, um, everyone that listens to it. So thank you, Rob. Yeah, thank you. He have his own TV show. <laughs> <clears throat> hey, maybe someday. I still have what forty six hundred people to go, so there's time. All right. Well, you know, but you're still you're halfway there. And again, you know, the other thing I wanted to remark upon is this uh, just incredible balance you have. Um, people say left brain, right brain. I say mm -hmm. one brain. But the ability to do the data and the numbers, but also the creative—that is a gift. That's mm -hmm. a gift. Melody has the next question. Thank you, Patricia. Uh, Rob, our next question to you is, what is healing to you? So when I think about healing, I think one of the things that jumps out to me is time. I feel like time is healing. And uh, I don't know, I, I guess I see healing as a journey. And I think it's like emotional healing, there's physical healing. And I think back to my life, probably my greatest emotional healing occurred when I, I lost two of my uncles like a month apart from each other when I was a freshman in high school. One died of a heart attack. And then on the way to his burial, the other pulled aside because he wasn't feeling well. Turns out he had a brain tumor. He passed away like a month later. So that was a an emotional healing time for me. And I think like now I can talk about that experience as I guess everyone does when they get away from their periods of grief there's a little bit of time to buffer it back then you know it, it's really painful and I'm very lucky that I I haven't lost like immediate family members or anything like that or aunts or uncles since then but I'm very grateful and aware of that now so maybe along with that healing comes perspective but the process of healing it, it's something I more hear about through the people I meet now because I'm faced with the trauma that they've been through on a daily and weekly basis just as a listener, as a consumer. And again, it's something that I become aware of. And I pay attention to what people tell me, like the fact that grief comes in waves. is something that I'm not experiencing right now, but I sort of take notes on that for the future. So I think about it in terms of, of time, the further you get from that event, the more of a buffer there is. And maybe like the ways it comes maybe in longer spats as opposed to every day or something like that. But yeah, time is, is one thing. And then my mind thinks about like all the stuff that is available to us 
I feel like resources, a community is very healing. And I, I think connection is very healing. And I, I've noticed with my project, when there were times when if I felt very, if I felt the weight of like financial instability, I would just talk about it more during my project. And it was healing for me to just have the ability to bounce those thoughts off of someone instead of keeping them in my own mind. And I know people have felt the same way with me when they could come and talk about like a loss that they experienced or something that they went through and know that I was just there to absorb it, absorb it rather than talk about it going forward or try to give them solutions or anything like that. So I think there's healing and connection. And I also think about things like meditation and going to the gym as if we go back to that left brain, right brain thing, yeah, the creative side of me is like, okay, well, you got to take your time and go through these waves and whatnot and be kind to yourself. And then the right logical side of my brain is like, okay, well, you have to go to the gym because those are endorphins attached to that. You have to eat right because your nutrition is important. You have to make sure you're keeping up habitual connection with people. So that's what it means to me, at least right now. And I, I like I said, I say that with a lot of gratitude for the fact that I don't think that I've had to do any deep healing in recent years. Uh, I've had my project. I've been fortunate enough to have my family and friends around me. The people around me are are safe and healthy. And I have a ton of gratitude for that. So in a very real sense, I'm just going to go out on a limb here, but it makes sense to me. Uh, your meeting with people is healing in a very real way because you were saying, uh, and for you, not just for them, but for you, Mm-hmm. Um, you were talking about releasing thoughts, something that might be weighing heavily on you and talking about it in a candid fashion. That truly is healing. That's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. That's bringing gifts, not only to yourself, but to others. And the, the self-compassion thing, tell us a little more about your thoughts on that before we move on. Uh, there's so much written now. Um, the Brene Browns of the world, uh, vulnerability, self-compassion, compassion in general. And it's not always easy to achieve with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I, I say throughout my life, I have calibrated trust in myself. And I think it started mainly in college. Like I would study and if I would take, I always tested well. So if I was taking an exam, I knew which questions I had right. And then there were ones that I would mark that I was unsure of, and I would go back in and and re-look at all of those questions. And sometimes I would be like, you know what? I don't know what the answer is, but my gut is telling me C, so I'm going to go with C. And more often than not, I would get those questions right. So I started to think maybe there's just something subconsciously that knows that's the answer, and, and I just can't bring it to the forefront of my mind, but I can trust my gut. So that is what started it. And then I go into this journey of, hey, I'm going to meet 10,000 people and I'm going to do it full time after I was laid off. And a lot of people doubt that that's a real path. And I, I've heard that from people around me, just that like people, friends and, and our parents of friends would be like, well, what's he going to do after the project? He's going to meet 10,000 people and then he's going to get a part, like a, an entry level job somewhere. How is, he's not going to have skills or anything at that time. So I, I just had to trust myself and my own vision. And I think going from the project. And in the early days, people would be like, well, how many people have you met? And I'd say like five or six. And of course they would laugh because they're like, oh, that pales in comparison to what you think you're going to do. But then I stuck with it. And then I met 500, 600 people. And then people were like, wait, what is this project? This is interesting. And then I met 5,000 people and people were like, wait, this is really inspiring. I want to be part of this. 
So I trusted my journey when it was really just me pushing it. And I think I learned a lot of compassion through that. Like it started that I calibrated that trust when I was in college. And then with my project, if my gut told me, hey, this is the right path, and my mind would say, hey, you're losing money every single month. You have to move in with your friends. You have to move back in with your parents. I'd say, well, I'm not worried about that. I'm going to follow my gut because I trust myself. And then when it works out, you get to build on top of the trust that you already have. So I think for a lot of us in our lives, we have to take maybe sometimes, and you don't have to go out on a limb and try to meet 10,000 people doing something crazy, but take a little a little bit of a leap and achieve that goal and pay attention to the fact that you can do it and you can trust yourself and then push for a little bit further. And over time, you find that really we only need to be our own biggest fans. And then the validation from other people, of course, helps. But, but when it's on us, like we can really push it forward then. Wow, you just brought up an, a magnificent idea, trust of self. Regardless of what's going on in life, uh, there's always the unknown, the um, un, unseen. Um, whether you're going through cancer and not, not sure how much longer you're going to live, whether you're just going along on the highway and there's a big accident, you just don't know what's going to be thrown your way. So trusting in that moment, you can handle things. What an amazing thing. And they don't teach you this at any school. Uh, but it's probably the greatest gift you can give yourself that leads to that self-compassion you're talking to. Trust, I know I'm going to navigate the waters, the smoky, you know, smoky room. Um, I'm going to get through this. And I think the only way you know how to do it is just by experiencing it, which is what you're demonstrating to us now. Got it. Another beautiful thing. Thank you. Your project, Rob, it resonates with so many people because I think everyone wants to have that deeper search for meaning, right? You mentioned the brevity of life. Uh, no one really knows what tomorrow holds. So there is this sense of urgency. And, you know, your project, you yourself, you hold space for so many people one-on-one. -on -one, and you have empathy in the moment. You just hold that space. You help people um, just give them time to name their emotion, what they're processing. And um, I think that's really incredibly healing for both both parties, um, th forming that genuine connection and realizing that at the core of it, we're all just so similar. We're going through so many challenges, but um, like you and Patricia mentioned, that human connection, that human beingness, that's something that we have a tendency to forget. Mm -hmm. And I, I really enjoyed what you saw, what you said about balancing the sort of abstract, being kind to yourself, being vulnerable with the practical practices that will really help you further your journey. And so, yeah, I mean, you mentioned losing two of your uncles so close together and, and that's heartbreaking. Thank you so much for sharing that so vulnerably with us. Of course. Beautifully said, um, wonderful comments, Melody. So our third question is, what is the divine to you? Yeah, it's a great question too, because I grew up Catholic. So I went to Catholic school from kindergarten through the end of high school. And that's kind of still, I, I don't go to church every weekend nowadays, but that's still, if I had to say, like I'm tied to a religion, it's Catholicism. When I pray, I think of the God that I grew up uh, being taught about and whatnot. 
but then I have this dynamic now where I'm meeting people from all different countries around the world and stuff and all different religions and beliefs. So it's very interesting too. I'm very much a learner when it comes to religion. I enjoy when people like have their faith in their life because I think all of us have it to an extent. It's like, to me, praying and manifesting are the same exact thing. It's just how you choose to label it. There's the sense of thinking of the divine as God and and the plan that he has for us. And then I think more about, even going back to my last answer, the divine of ourselves and us being our, our own champions or pushing ourselves. Because I think we forget about that sometimes. I don't know if I'll be able to explain it. Say, let me pray to get this thing or to have this outcome <clears throat> when we really need to just find that faith within ourselves. And I, And again, I grew up having faith in the sense of the church but my faith was really tested through my project when it's like okay you're gonna you said you're gonna meet all these people you're on this journey you don't have a way to support yourself financially there doesn't seem to be like I didn't have the answers yet so I guess the way that I'll describe it is and I've said this before for me my faith was like I was willing to walk in the darkness long enough to discover the answers along the way and I think that's true faith is when, because so many people, it's like they want to go in the forest having the light or they want to go in the forest having the answers, knowing when this fork comes up, I have to go this way or I know I have to go that way. But when you don't have those answers, it's a little bit scary and you just have to trust the unknown. And to me, that, that's very much what religion is like as well, where you're, you're trusting in a, the concept that you believe in. So... I don't know. I think of divine because I still do believe in a higher power and uh, I feel guided by that at times. And I feel like there are times in my life where certain things work out for me for no reason or, or I'll get signs. So I pay attention to that. And then there's, yeah, the, the divine in ourselves where I think we have that power to push ourselves forward as well. It's just calibrating that trust again and and that self-compassion and figuring out how to have that really nice relationship with ourselves. That's, I wish I could explain it better, but that's the way I say it. Oh, that was brilliant. Um, going within self, listening. I walked in the darkness, go into the forest because the forest knows you. While I'm going to look for this poem, it's an amazing poem, and I'm going to turn everything over to uh, beautiful melody. Let's see if I can find it because it echoes exactly what you're saying. Sure. Thank you, Patricia. And thank you, Rob. Um, that de definitely resonated with me, you know, that willingness to walk in the darkness and the unknown for you mentioned for as long as it's necessary. And um, I think a key part of that, that made you successful is having that ability to remain receptive, sensitive, and open you know, um, because you are led by higher power, um, by God. Um, and I think, you know, each one of us was put here on this earth to, to walk through our journey. We don't know what it looks like um, at the end, but we do have to take it one step at a time. And we have to, like you mentioned, calibrate that trust in yourself and also be open to your personal soul's journey like what is that what does it look like it's different for everyone 
but um, I think we derive meaning from just going about our day-to-day lives and search for that deeper truth. Yeah, thank you. It's definitely a, a journey, not the destination type thing. All right, you guys, you got to keep talking. I found the book. Okay. The book is Riverbed by uh, David Wagner. And David okay. Wagner was a poet uh, emeritus of the Northwest. He was in Seattle and taught. And um, he took great cues from the Native Americans and often wrote about nature. And I am so sorry, I don't just have it right here in front of me, but it it really bears... Ah, I found it. Okay, never mind. I found it. Okay. <laughs> the book just went right to it. Talk about divine uh, inspiration. So uh, David Wagner's Lost. Stand still, the trees ahead and bushes beside you are not lost. Wherever you are is called here. And you must treat it as a powerful stranger, must ask permission to know it and be known. The forest breathes. Listen, it answers. I've made this place all around you. If you leave it, you may come back again, saying, here. No two trees are the same to raven. No two branches are the same to wren. If what a tree or a bush does is lost on you, you are surely lost. Stand still. The forest knows where you are. You must let it find you. And I think that echoes exactly what you're saying. You're not lost. Stand still and listen, uh, and the forest will find you. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's uh, it's being there and paying attention and being receptive. Melody, anything else you'd like to ask our incredible guest? Well, I first wanted to comment on that, and I love that poem. I've never, I don't think I've heard of David Wagner, um, but I will look up his stuff now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's been an incredible honor having you on our show, Rob. We're so excited to continue to follow along on your journey i have a question of course (laughs) just one more question so back to f-o-r-d you are living a dream Mm -hmm. and some people will say well here's my dream for you know a year from now two years from now when i retire whatever you're living it now so what would be the next part of your dream have you imagined Uh that yet or are you just staying in the dream as it is now I've imagined it. I think, well, the, there's multiple parts. One is just to, to complete the project. The true, well, there's a lot of it, but like the, the very core personal satisfaction is the saying I was going to do this really wild goal and then actually doing it. I think there will be a lot of fulfillment in that of being like, hey, I said that I did what I said I was going to do. But that is something that I want to do, and I hope that the journey takes me to other countries in person over the next several years, and I'm able to meet people where they are instead of connecting with them through Zoom. Uh, if they are not in Philly, then I, I hope to continue speaking and just growing as a speaker so that I can impact more people with my message and help them see the value of intentional human connection. And when the project is done, which I think will probably be like eight years from now, I would love to be a professor at a university and have a course for first year students where they can pair off one-on-one every class period and learn from each other's backgrounds rather than a textbook or a PowerPoint slide. Because I think that there is a ton of value in understanding your classmates and society around you's experiences. And I think that being 
a college student is a really good time to learn that. And I also want to I want to give space for connections to be made that turn into future marriages and future business partnerships and future friendships and and, and hold students together like they form bonds that make them not feel alone in college. That's something I, I had a really great experience of having a lot of friends in college, but I know that some people struggle with social anxiety and it's not that they're not great friends. It's just that there's like a bit of a barrier for them to go and form those relationships. So I want to help people with that. And then just personally, I would love to have a wife and kids and hopefully that will occur before the project's done. But yeah, we will just see we're, we're not pushing too hard one way or the other for that. We're just going to let it happen when it happens. Oh, my goodness. Well, I have a feeling uh, there are many a university would like you on their staff now, not eight mm. years from now. <laughs> You're going to have a remarkable life, remarkable career, remarkable everything. And we're going to keep tabs on you, young man. We're keeping tabs on you. It's been such a joy speaking with you, Rob. Um, we're going to wrap up our segment. And uh, thank you. Um, I'm going to let Melody do the honors. Okay, well, thank you so much, Rob, for joining us. Um, we were delighted to have you as a guest on our Create to Heal podcast. And we will put all of your social media and links um, in the episode information. And yeah, like Patricia said, we're excited to see where this takes you. And thank you so much for being with us um, during this hour. Yeah, thank you both for, for having me. It's a true pleasure. I appreciate you giving me a platform for my story. Absolutely. Thank you. What an inspiration you are. Thank you so much. We now move on to the flow portion of our podcast. Earlier, Patricia shared a poem by David Wagner titled Lost, and it resonated with me so much that I decided to look into his poetry. I found another poem by David Wagner titled The Words which I'd like to share with y'all right now. The words. Wind, bird, and tree. Water, grass, and light. In half of what I write, roughly or smoothly, year by impatient year, the same six words recur. I have as many floors as meadows or rivers, as much still air as wind, and as many cats in mine as nests in the branches to put an end to these. Instead, I take what is, the light beats on the stones, and wind over water shines, like long grass through the trees, as I set loose like birds, in a landscape, the old words. That was The Words by David Wagoner. As always, we invite you to share what resonated with you. You could reach us at PV at patriciavarga.com. Again, that's pv at patriciavarga.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for joining us in this episode of the Create to Heal podcast. We are so grateful for this journey and the time we've shared together. We invite you to send us your gems of joy please email us at pv at patriciavarga.com. My initials, pv at patriciavarga.com. We look forward to connecting with you on our next Create to Heal episode. Thank you.